You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. If you do things God's way, then you get God, the ultimate reward. You get eternal life, which is the blessing of all blessings. The posture of of Psalms really is about our posture toward worship. And I believe that no matter what we're going through, we worship through it. If everything in your life is good and you are on the highest of highs, our response to that should be to worship through it because the highs of the high come from the Most High God. If you're going through seasons in your life where things maybe aren't so high, aren't so great, and you're going through some struggles, then what do we do? Our response should be to worship through it because He's the only one that can get us through that situation and that season. So no matter what season you're going through, the response should be to worship. The response should be for us to give everything that we have to God because He has given everything that He has to us. And that is what this series will be about. Psalm 1 starts like this in verse 1. Blessed. We're going to stop right there. That's why this is going to take 13 weeks. We're going to talk about this one word. Blessed. The, the entire book of Psalms, every single one starts with this, blessed. Which tells me, and it should tell you, that we serve a God who wants to bless you. We serve a a good God who loves His kids and He wants to give good gifts to His kids. Here's the problem, is that we think a blessing is getting everything we want. And that's not what a blessing is. Any decent father, and I try to be one of those, we don't say yes every time our kid wants something. When our kid wants candy for breakfast, candy for lunch, and candy for dinner. We can't say yes every time, and it's not because we don't love them. We say no because we do love them, and we know that they need more than candy. The same way, our Father in Heaven, He will say no because He knows that what you're asking for will do nothing but harm you, and He has something better for you. Because He loves you. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We see that there's a progression here. That that they, they start by walking, then it's standing, then it's sitting. And this is what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying, hey, you can surround yourself with people that do life the world's way, or you can surround yourself with people who do life God's way. The decision is yours. Who are you surrounding yourself with? And he starts with a, with a negative. He says, blessed are you when you do not do this. Blessed are you when you do not just hang around with people who tell you what you want to hear. Blessed are you when you actually have people in your life who will challenge you to live life God's way and not just pat you on the back for doing whatever you want to do. Who are the people that you have in your life? This is one of my baseball coaches growing up used to say, show me your 
friends and I'll show you your future. And I'm like, man, I don't know what that means. And he's like, well, you're going to be an idiot because that's who you're hanging out with, right? So pretty much he's saying, hey, you need to change your friends because the people you hang around with, they will impact your life. And you can do this, but you won't be blessed. You can hang around with whoever you want to hang around with, but you won't be blessed. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't be friends with some people that think differently than you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you should have a group of people who care enough about you to tell you what you need to hear. They care more about you than what you think about them. Do you have someone in your life like that? Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. It doesn't say that they become fools. It says that they suffer harm. When you hang around with these people that don't really care about you, then it will lead to destruction because that is the goal of the enemy. The goal of the enemy is to take you out. We are at war. And we will always be at war. There is a spiritual war that is always going to be happening. Are you fighting it by yourself? Are you fighting it on the wrong side? Or are you surrounding yourself with a group of people that will challenge you to live life the way that God has called you to live life? And you know who's the worst at this? Married men. Married men, we are the worst at this because we're cool getting some buddies. We're cool going having some golfing buddies or some fishing buddies or some cornhole buddies or whatever it may be. We're cool with that, but I mean that's kind of the, the depth of the relationship is that there's just some buddies that we hang around with. We're, we, we don't get really deep. We're not vulnerable. We're not transparent with these people. Who is legitimately praying for you? Who is legitimately praying for you? See, this is what we need. We need a band of brothers, not just a bunch of buddies. Because when you have a band of brothers, and those people, when they see you going astray, they're not afraid to say, hey man, if you, if you keep going this direction, then some things are going to happen in your life that you don't want to happen. Buddies will say, hey man, just do what you want. If it feels good, just have at it. We're, we're really not that close anyway. Don't really care. And then those buddies go away. We don't need buddies. It's okay to have those, but we need a band of brothers that will hold us accountable to live life the way that God has called us to live life. We can't do this thing by ourselves. The, the enemy will always go after the one that's isolated. You begin to isolate yourself away from God's people, the enemy will begin to attack you more and more and more, and you have no defense because you've isolated yourself and historically the church has done a really bad job with people that are on the fringes because they're like hey maybe they're too dirty to come in to our circle well guess what we're all dirty here so come into our circle we want you in the middle of our circle so we can help protect you against the enemy because there's going to come a time where i'm not on the outside of the circle anymore and i need to get on the inside and i'm going to need you guys to protect me we're all going to be there in this place, with this body, this church. We're all imperfect people taking steps of faith together for His glory, to make a difference for His kingdom, to make an impact in our city, in this 
community, but we cannot do it alone. We have to get in community with one another. Who do you have in your life that will hold you accountable, that will challenge you to take the right steps toward Jesus? There's a second thing I see here in this verse that is directional. It starts with walking, and then it's standing, and then it's sitting. We see a direction, and this is what I know. It's your direction, not your intention, that determines your destination. The church is full of people with good intentions. And especially right now, you're like, man, we just had some good worship. We're singing about the blood of Jesus. We're, get, we're getting a message from the Word of God. My intention is to go home and to, to just change my life completely. And guess what intention doesn't do? It doesn't do anything for you if the direction isn't right. Because there's a certain direction, right? You can try this. If you want to go to Atlanta, you, you can't go I-20 East and hit Atlanta. It just doesn't work. You can pray about it. You can say, hey, my life group prayed about it. My men's group prayed about it. Everybody's been praying about it. But for some reason, I'm not ending up there. It's because your direction is wrong. And direction matters. It's not your intention that determines your destination. We intend to do a lot of good stuff. Those intentions will go away. It is the direction that you are heading. And again, we can do things God's way, or we can do things the world's way. I just want to give you two quick examples of this, because maybe you're thinking, well, what's the difference? And we'll start with something easy. We'll start with sex. Simple. The world has a way of doing sex. God has a way of doing sex. The world says, hey, it's your body. Do what you want. You can, you can sleep with as many people as you want. It's just physical. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to hurt anybody. It's really, you, you hook up, you shack up, you break up, repeat. And it just repeats. That's the world's way. You hook up, you shack up, break up, repeat. And God would say, oh no, that's not my way. That's not the system that I've created. I've created sex as a gift in the context of marriage between a man and a woman for one lifetime. That is the gift of sex that I have created. That's my way. You do whatever you want. It's your choice. You can do it however you want to do it. But if we want to be blessed, and the blessing here is knowing God. The blessing isn't some material stuff. The blessing is having an intimate, personal relationship with Him. That's the blessing. It's to know Him. Do you want that? Or do you want to do things the world's way? How about money? The world has a way of doing money, and God has a way of doing money. The world would say, hey man, it's all yours. Do what you want with it. Buy as much as you want. Actually, spend more than you even have. Because you can do that. Go in as much debt as you can go in. That's cool. Get as much stuff as you can get. It's your money. You deserve it. You earned it. And God would say, man, that, that's not my way. You can do that if you want to. If you want to build your treasures on this earth, that's, that's fine. That's up to you. That's your reward. You get stuff. Congratulations. But if you want to do it my way, then you have to understand that everything you have is, is, is His. That 100% of what you have is God's. And He's called us to be stewards of what He's given us. He's called us to give back to Him. And you may say, well, what am I supposed to give back to Him? And I'm just going to be really honest with you. The baseline, like the bottom, 
baseline, and I'm going to get a bunch of angry looks and maybe some emails and texts, and that's cool. The bottom baseline is 10%. That's the bottom. And a lot of us, we talk about, man, if we could just get up to 10%, and I get it, right? There's some of us, we're just not in that place, and, and we have to start somewhere, and we have to commit somewhere. And I would challenge you, if you don't give, to, to start somewhere. And in your faithfulness and trying to steward, well, I believe God will bless you so that you could get up to that. But the New Testament church, man, they were abundantly generous. They gave way more than 10%. They gave everything. And God would say, hey, so this is my way of doing things. You can do it my way. You can do it the world's way. It's up to you. What direction are you going? Because the direction of the world leads to destruction. But the direction of God leads to blessing and knowing Him. Which direction are you going? Verse 2 says, But His delight, this is the blessed man, but His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on His law He meditates day and night. I wish, I wish, I wish I could tell you how much I love this. Because this will change your life. This will change your life. Now, it would be really easy to come in here and preach for about 20 minutes and just give you a pep talk, and, and that's cool, but I love this too much to just stop right there because I think we need to dig in a little bit to see what God really has for us. Do you love the Word of God? And if the only time that you're feeding on God's Word is Sunday morning, you're going to starve to death because it ain't enough. It's just not enough. And we do everything we can do on Sunday morning to, to give you as much of Jesus as we can give you. But man, we're here for an hour and ten minutes on Sundays. And if this is all you get, and you're missing it. You're missing it. Do you love the Word of God? And he meditates day and night. It's just twice a day, man. If it's day, you meditate. If it's night, you meditate. If it's not day or night, you do whatever you want. But day and night, you meditate on the Word of God. Meditate in Hebrew means to murmur. You know, like if I'm preaching and people just haven't like mastered the amen yet and they're like, hmm, you know, like that and they kind of sound like a cow or something. That's kind of what murmur means. You just meditate on it, man. You murmur it. You, you say it. You recite it. You remember it. There's going to be moments in your life if you study this Word of God that verses just come back to you that you didn't even know that you knew. And the Spirit is revealing things to you because it rightly divides things in your life. God's Word always does what it goes out to intend to do. Always. It never, it never comes up short. It will help you figure out in your spirit things in your life that you have no clue how to handle. You, you have no clue what the next step is for you. You have no clue how to get through certain situations. You're trying to maybe offer guidance to someone and you don't really know what that guidance looks like. Guess what? It is in here. I promise you. The answers to life are in the Word of God. Do you love the Word of God? Reading God's Word is not just checking a box. And I'm telling you, man, I know this personally because this, this is kind of how I, how I grew up personally is if I went to church 
and I, and I got some Bible, man, that, that box was checked, and I was, I was happy with that. Now, where I went to church, there was a ton of services, so, I mean, I was checking a lot of boxes, right? Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, fifth Sunday, Southern Gospel Sing. Like, I was doing it all, man. I was there checking boxes, checking boxes, and guess what? I did not love the Word of God. I would have told you I love the Word of God. I would have told you that I had a, a real intimate relationship with Him. But it's not until you begin to actually study and meditate on His Word that you realize how wicked and messed up and jacked up you are as a human. And how the grace of God covers all of that. And how He woos you unto Himself and how He lavishes His love and His grace upon you as a sinner. We say that a lot, but has that has it sank in yet? Because when you really, really, really understand the reality of your sin, I'm not sure that you'll ever really love the Word of God the way that you should love the Word of God. Because a lot of us, we go through life thinking, man, I'm not that bad of a person. I don't cuss. I don't drink. I don't cheat. I don't, I don't sleep around. I don't do this. I don't do that. And it's like, man, that's great. Great, great, great. But you're still not a good person. The Bible would tell us that there, there's nobody that's good. Nobody. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he says, Hey, I know you're not good. I'll be good for you. I will take that. I will take your place. And then he, he came on a rescue mission to save us sinners, dark and ugly and jacked up, imperfect people to adopt us into his family. Man, and that is what this story is all about, man. This story is not about you. Let me just, I want you to know that. That you can open this up and say, okay, well, let me see what this says about me. This is what it says about you. You're a sinner in need of a Savior. And that Jesus came on a rescue mission to save you. And once you put your trust in Him and you surrender your life to Him, then guess what? You become a part of His family. And it's still all about Him. The part we play is, is sin. We bring sin to the table. Jesus did everything else. That's why it's not about us. It's about Him. It always has been, and it always will be. I think there's a, there's a second part to this, too. I don't think it's just to meditate on the Word. I think it's to turn down the noise of the world. Because it's really hard to meditate on godly things when all our inputs are worldly things. See what I'm saying? Like, whatever you input, that's what's going to it's going to do some things in your life. So if you're inputting the, the world's way of sex and money and power and fame and all this stuff, that's what eventually will come out. I think what we have to do, the challenge for us, is to turn down the noise of this world so that we can meditate on the godliness of who He is. Let's turn it down. What are you putting into your life? And I remember I was working at, at this place that uh, it was a new plan, it was a new startup, and man, we had to draw out systems, and we had to, like, every input that was coming in and every output that was going out, and man, you had to memorize so many things and learn all this different stuff, and it mattered because what was coming in determined what was going out. It's the same thing for your life. 
what's coming in will dictate what comes out. If it's just filth that you're always putting in, then filth will come out. And maybe, maybe you're pretty good at managing that in this season, but there will be a time where it just begins to overflow out of you. And you're like, man, where is this coming from? And I'll tell you where it's coming from. It's coming from all the crap that you're putting in to your life. That's where it's coming from. So let's turn down the noise of the world and let's focus and meditate on the Word of God. Verse 3 says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that He does, He prospers. Listen, this is what He's saying. He's saying, hey, if you can, if you can do this, if you can meditate on God's Word, if you, if you love God's Word, if you love God, this is what you're like. You're like a tree that is planted. It means that you are putting your roots in the Word of God. By streams of water, my mind immediately goes to Jesus with the woman at the well, and Jesus says, hey, I am the living water. And if you, if you can taste and experience the living water, you will never be thirsty. And He says, blessed are you if you can, if you can really just focus and meditate and love the Word of God, if you can get away from this worldly system and you can shift over to the godly system, then it's like you're drinking the living water and you will never be thirsty. And you produce fruit in its season. The fruit of the Spirit, you, you produce that. We don't make it, we don't manufacture it. It, it is from the inside out. It's being produced in us. Then it says this, and all that he does, he prospers. He prospers. I don't know about you, but I want to I want to be prosperous. And when I say that word, maybe some of you are like, I want to be prosperous too. Like I got some stuff I want to buy. Like this is gonna be awesome. That's not what I mean by prosperous. By prosperous, this is what I mean. I mean the blessing of knowing God. The blessing of knowing God. God. That is the the prosperous that I want to be. That is the prosperous that is being discussed here. It's producing godliness like image bearers should produce godliness. What is being produced in your life? Does the wicked are not so? So he says all this about the blessed person. Hey, Blessed are you when you don't do this stuff, when you don't, when you don't walk and stand and sit with, with, the, with the mockers and the scoffers and you delight in the Word of God, then you would be like a tree planted by a stream, producing, yielding its fruit in season, and in everything you do, you will prosper. And then it says the wicked are not so. The wicked, none of this applies to, to the others. None of this applies to those who don't know Jesus. It's actually the opposite of this applies to those who don't know Jesus. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Now this is what this is what the, the picture of that looks like. And they were trying to get wheat. There was this, this hardish type material over and they would just stick it up in the air and the chaff would blow away with the wind so that they could actually get to the wheat. And he's saying, hey, this is, this is you. If, if you don't know God, if you don't love 
His Word, if you don't meditate, if you don't really have that relationship with Him, then you will be tossed to and fro. Wherever the, the winds of this world blows, that's where you're going. And man, these winds change constantly in this world. Constantly. If you don't believe me, man, they're, they're, you can just look at all the stuff that happens in the world. And two years ago, there was stuff that was acceptable that's not acceptable now. There was stuff that was unacceptable that is acceptable now. It just all changes all the time. And that is the system of this world. And the psalmist here would say, hey, so if you don't know God, if, you, if you're not meditating on His Word, if you don't have that desire and that love and that intimacy with Him, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Man, you'd just be tossed and fro, tossed to and fro by the wind of this world. Man, I'm not good with that for me personally because I don't like going from place to place. Man, I kind of like a routine. I like to do things the same. That's just my that's just my personality. Maybe you like the you go over here, go over there. Go. Maybe that's you, man. That's cool. We need some of you here. That ain't me. I want to be rooted somewhere, and, and there's a choice. I can be rooted in the world, or I can be rooted in God, and the same choice is yours. Verse 5 says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, and this means that they're, they're going to be there, they're just not going to make it through. Pretty much saying they're going to be standing there for judgment, but they won't be standing after judgment. They, they ain't going to make it. Nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And you say, well, man, I want to be righteous. How can, like, how can, I want to do that. Like, how can I do that? And then we'll see in, in a psalm here that it says, hey, so there are none that are righteous. No, not one. And you're like, okay, well, that's bad news. And yep. That is bad news. There is none that's righteous. And then Jesus comes on the scene. And Jesus says, hey, so there are none that are righteous. I got this for you. I will take care of this for you. That's why we call it a rescue mission that he came on. He didn't just come here for fun. I just want you to know that. He didn't come here for fun to be beaten and mocked and spit on and crucified. It wasn't just for fun that he did it. It was because he loved you enough and he loved me enough and he knew that there were none that were righteous and we needed someone to rescue us. And he said, I will do this. And how amazing is it that we serve a Father in heaven who said, man, y'all messed this up. Like, y'all messed it up. I created this and this and this. I gave it to you and you messed it up. Not only did you mess it up, like, you messed it up. It is bad. And then he said, but there's something I can do about it. And then his, his plan of, of redemption is set in motion. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He's tempted in every way 
He feels the same things that we feel. He's fully man. He's fully God. He's arrested and falsely accused. He is, he is beaten almost to the point of death. He is, he is dragged up on a hill and he is nailed to the cross. For you. I love you, man, but I don't know if I would do it for you. I'm just saying. I love my kids. I ain't sure I'd do it for them either. That's a lot. And Jesus said, I will do this for you. Because I love you. And because of that, we can be considered righteous. Jesus says, in the, in the Gospels, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through Him. He is it. He is the only way. You can try all this self-help stuff. You can try all these, these other things. You can try to be better. You can try to do better. None of that works. Jesus is the only way. We used to sing a song, one, like, one way Jesus. He is the only way. He is the only one. There is no other name by which you can be saved but by the name of Jesus. We're going to close with this. Righteous, when we see this, I want you to remember that righteous doesn't mean right activity. That righteous means right standing. That it's not about doing good or doing better. It's about being in right standing with God and the only way we can be in right standing with God is to have a relationship with Him through the blood of Jesus. We have right standing because of what He has done for us. Romans 3.21 says this, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. This is, what he, this is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that the righteousness isn't yours, that it's through faith in Jesus that, that the righteousness is imputed upon you. And I, I think back to when Jesus is he's talking to Nicodemus, who's a religious man, and, and Nicodemus is like, man, what do I, I want to have a relationship like this, what, what what can I do to be saved? What what is this all about? And, and Jesus says, "For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that He sent Jesus on a rescue mission for us. That whoever believes in Him, and that word believes in the Greek means whoever knows Him, whoever puts." their trust in Him. Whoever surrenders to Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know Him? This song starts off with the word blessed. It ends with the word perish. It's two, two options and the choice is yours. The blessing is to know Him and have eternal life. To perish means you just do things the world's way, man. You, you think you got it, you can, you can try to, to have it. 
but the choice is yours. Do you know Him? There's some, there's some religious people that Jesus is he's, he's telling a parable and they're like, man, like, how can we get to heaven? And he's saying, hey, the only way you can get to heaven is, is if you know me, it's through me. And these religious people are standing there and Jesus says, hey, depart from me for I never knew you. And, and they're confused and they say, well, man, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We, we perform many miracles in your name. And Jesus again says, hey, depart from me for I never knew you. See, they had it all wrong because when, when they're there and they're like, this, this is my resume. This is why I should get into heaven. And Jesus says, your resume is not impressive to me. You just got to know me. And you guys don't know me. All this religious activity doesn't get you into heaven. Only Jesus gets you into heaven. Do you know him? And if you know him, do you delight in his word? Do you delight in who he is? Or are you just going through this life just trying to do it the world's way? The world's way will fail you every single time. What I don't want for you is for you one day to be standing before the maker he says, why should I let you in? And you say, well, I, I went to Impact Church. And he's like, well, that don't help you at all. My wife was pretty pretty cool. She went to church a lot. She prayed a lot. He's like, yeah, that doesn't really help you either. And well, I did lift my hands during some of the songs. Pastor Andrew jumps around sometimes like this and kind of get into it a little bit. know you. But you do all these things and I don't know you. You say, well, I prayed for some people and they got better. And it's like, yeah, that's great. God did that. Man, what, what else can I do? He's like, nothing. You can surrender your life to me. That's all you can do. Do you know him? Don't miss it. We exist for people to know God's love in a real intimate way. Don't miss it. Please, whatever you do, don't take what you got if you don't know. We needed Him to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. We did it. So do you know Him? don't know him in this place, and I want to give you the opportunity this morning to say yes to him. I want to give you the opportunity to surrender your life to him. Not to be more religious, not to be better people, to know the creator of the universe. To know your Father in heaven who loves you want to adopt you into his family. And then you would be called righteous, not because of you, but because of him. Some of you have been playing this thing, man, for a long time. You've been playing church, you've been playing this God thing, you 
you can't get to show up. Your life's just going to be better. And, and I want you to know that this having community, it does make your life better. It's, it's easier to have life with other people, to do life with other people. But man, the ultimate blessing is knowing him and having eternal life. Some of you, it's time to stop playing. Some of you, the only thing you would be able to say to him if he asked you, hey, why should I let you in to, to my gates? Why should I let you in to heaven? Your, your only thing is to show your resume. And I'm telling you, your resume is not impressive to God. And I, I don't want you to feel bad about yourself. I just want to be honest with you that without him, we are nothing. We're just all jacked up sinners in need of a Savior. So today, in this moment, for some of you, you need to stop playing and you need to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. The Spirit is speaking directly to you in this moment. We're going to continue on with a special special part of service. We're going we're gonna to dedicate some kids. So I'm going to ask the parents to just come down front who are going to participate in this. We have one up front already. You guys can stand on the on the floor so y'all don't have to walk up here with the with the baby. But I wanna I wanna just read a couple things first as as the parents make their way up here. Psalm twenty two ten says, On you was I cast from my birth and from my, my mother's womb, you have been my God. I wanna remind us that child dedication declares three foundational truths about the human condition. Number one is this, that these children are precious to God. They are valuable because they were created in the image of God and they should be treated as valuable. Number two is in spite of the the innocence and the beauty of these kids, we do know that they were born into sin and that they are sinners in need of a Savior, and they will come to, to, to an age where they have to make a decision. And they need to be rescued just as we were rescued. And number three is dedication declares that Jesus is the rescue. That the parents can't rescue, that the church can't rescue. There is no other name by which we can be saved but by the name of Jesus. Deuteronomy 6 Verses 6 and 7 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. In obedience to this command, these parents bring their, their kids to be dedicated to the Lord. Now we see dedication in Scripture as in the presentation of Samuel by Hannah and of Jesus by Joseph and Mary. Paul reminded Timothy that from a child he had known the sacred Scriptures. Jesus considered the little ones infinitely precious and he said, Permit the children to come to me, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The purpose of baby dedication is really to be found in the purpose of the parents. 
rightly understood the ceremony is one of parental dedication as well as child dedication. The parents are publicly pledging themselves to obey the command of Paul in Ephesians 6 when he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So parents, I'm going to ask you three questions. If you agree, just say, we do. Do you recognize your child as a gift from God and give heartfelt thanks for His blessings? Do you pledge as parents that you will bring up your child in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Do you ask God's blessings upon your child's life to guide, guard, and direct your child through all his or her years? And church, you have a part to play in this as well. So I'm going to ask you a question, and if you agree, I want you to say we do. Will you, members of Impact Church, be faithful to your calling as members of the body of Christ? so that these children and all other children in your midst may grow up in the knowledge and love of God. This is, this is a special moment because these parents are saying we want our kids to know the love of God the way that we know the love of God. These parents are saying we know that this is a gift and a blessing from God and we want to present our children back him it doesn't mean that these kids are going to be perfect it doesn't mean that they're going to to grow up and be pastors it doesn't mean any of that it means that we are committing as parents and as a church body to shepherd them to know who God is so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over each family and I want you guys to just stretch your arms out as well as we pray together as a church that we will shepherd these kids the way that God has called us to shepherd God, we come to you as the giver of all good gifts. God, we thank you that you love us enough to entrust us to raise another human. God, I pray for Daniel and Sam. And I pray that as they as they raise Colton up, God, that they do so always, always, always teaching him to know who you are. God, I thank you for their heart and their commitment to you. God, we pray always, always that we give you the honor and the glory. You're worthy, you deserve it, and we want to steward everything you've given us the way that you've called us to steward. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for Gerald and Janine. God, I pray as as they raise Addie that she not only wraps her dad around her fingers, but God, that she is taught and instructed on how to know who you are. God, not on how to do right things, that's a part of it, but ultimately it's to know you. God, I thank you for Gerald and Janine and their, their heart to, to serve, their heart to lead others. God, I pray that their family continues to be blessed with the ultimate blessing of knowing who you are. God, and it's prosperous because knowing who you are is all the prosperity that we need. God, we pray this in Jesus' name.
God, I pray for Jamie and Bree. God, I, I pray that as they as they raise little Ollie up to, to know you, God, that they just set the example at home. God, that they commit to the community, that they commit to the teaching, that they commit to discipline, all the things that you've called us to commit to as, as parents and believers. God, I pray that they continue to, to chase after you. God, and that as Ollie grows up, he will grow up to know who you are. God, you're the only one. We can't make anyone say yes to you, but you draw people unto yourself. So I pray, God, that as we shepherd these kids, that as we as, as we teach, as we instruct, as we encourage, God, that they know when the time comes that you woo them to yourself, that they immediately say yes to you. God, I thank you for all the people in this church. I thank you for the commitment and the pledge that they made here today. God, it's all about you. We want to give you honor and glory in this moment. God, we just want to be still and know that you are who you say you are. So God, as your spirit rains down, as your spirit moves, as your spirit does what only he can do, God, I pray that we receive it, we accept it. God, and that our intentions aren't what drives us. It's our love for you and your love for us that sends us into the direction of godliness. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's celebrate God in this place. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.